says, get that India, big boy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Another big Eels win. Go, you Eels. You ready for some Parramatta talk tonight? And just before we kick off, we do have a moment of history that's just happened in the game on the West Tigers match. Former Eel and a player on a long-time try drought, Alex Twal, has just scored his first NRL try. Let's have a round of applause for Alex Twal. We're, we're not biased here. We can recognise a great effort from anyone in any club. But back to, the, to tonight, 34-4. to 4. John, quick, quick thoughts on it before we start heading into stats and things like that. Oh, there we go. I'm back. OK. <laughs> it was really the perfect result for the Parramatta Eels. No Mitchell Moses, no Junior Barlow, no Sean Lane. Still missing a host of key players. They came out and executed an outstanding game plan. Wasn't overly complex. They were just more physical than Manly. Really out-muscled out through the middle. Had more speed on the edges. And put the pressure on them the entire game. Yeah, it was a, it was a game that we were expecting might be a little bit tighter than it was given the number of outs from the Parramatta Reels. But I think we probably adjusted better to the absences than what Manly did. Now, I must say, when you're at the game and you've got someone near you who is carrying on a bit like a complete tool, you know, they're getting, they're getting stuck into the supporters around them. We did have a Manly supporter who was letting everyone know what he thought of Parramatta. Who was, the, who was being the comedian up in the stands. And the best thing that can happen is to simply get a win and be able to smile about it. It helps when it's a 30-point differential victory as well. So Eels took care of business today, mate, 34-4. to 4. You already mentioned the scoreline. Let's go through the, the stats very quickly. Christian Tuopolotu, the lone scorer for the Manly Seagulls in the 22nd minute. But the big man... Off Icky Ogden. I don't think anyone had him for first try scorer. He went over in the ninth minute. Desperately unlucky not to have a double. He was joined on the scorer sheet by Bowie Simonson, who did get a double. Guffo, Hopgood, Makassi Makato, who came from dead set the Cook Islands to score that try off the Microsevo kick ahead. Uh, Guffo, five from six. The one he missed was dead set next to the post. The, the throw over, he sprayed it. Uh, and then Makassi, sorry, Makassi, Ogden and KO Weeks both spending 10 minutes in the Symbian, mate. Eels dominating most of the team stats, 62% possession. Uh, they were plus 12 and a half minutes in time of possession. 72% completion rate to Manly's 64%. More runs, run meters, post-contact meters, line breaks and tackle breaks all in their favor. Play to ball speed though, 4.08 seconds for the Eels to Manly's 3.49. So absolute golf there as we come to expect. Uh, but most pleasingly for me, 60s, 92% effective tackle rate for the Parramatta Eels. Market improvement on recent weeks really speaks to how much they controlled Manly tonight and how much they put the throttle on them. And then in terms of negative errors, uh, six penalties apiece, I believe it was, but Manly gave away five, six again infringements to Parramatta's two. Now, we were expecting that the focus tonight was going to be on uh, completions, a really solid kicking game. I don't think we saw anything that was too different to that tonight. It was almost 
a storm-like performance from the Eels tonight. I, just keeping the opposition trapped in their quarter and strangling them out of the game. There wasn't one moment, really, where Manly looked like busting out using the pace that they're renowned for out in their back line. I have to admit that was an aspect of the game that was worrying me pre-match. I thought we might see a few trick shots from them, but they were never really in a position where they could execute any of those trick shots. Yeah, Toltel Cooler, Jason Saab, the Eels really put the clamps on that speed out wide. And even the big power units like Paseca and uh, Olakawadu, the Eels really stifled them and stopped them from getting across the advantage line. Yeah, now... I, I spoke to you after Eels training on Thursday night and there were two things that I said to you after, the, after their training efforts. Can you remember what they were? Line speed and defence. Yeah, so line speed and also the energy. Energy and defence. Absolutely, yeah. the, the energy. It was one of the, most, one of the best training uh, sessions that I'd seen this year. It was right up there with the uh, session before the South game. And you don't always play the way you train 60s. We've seen with the Eels of other teams, you have great sessions, bad sessions, but the inverse result on the field. But in this run of four straight wins now for Parramatta over just over a month because there was a buy in there, they've really played the way they've trained. They've been consistent on the field, on the training paddock with their results. One of the things that really pleased me in the training session on Thursday, or I, or something that I really liked seeing, was the talk from Joe Offengawe. Mm -hmm. Now, Joe's new to the team, but I can tell everyone here that all through that training session, he never shut up. Even when he was off the field with the interchange players, he was barking out at the forwards in front of him when they were defending, just to keep them, keep that energy up, keep them focused. It was a really, really impressive training performance from him because he was someone that, you know, you're not sure whether they're going to feel their way into the team or whether they're, they're you know, going to completely buy in and see themselves as a full member of that team like from day one and I thought I saw that on Thursday night. And I wouldn't go so far as to call it a silver lining getting injured in his first game as an eel but having that time off almost allowed him that assimilation period like getting to integrate better with the team and become a bigger part of the process rather than just walking in and sort of frenetically trying to understand our systems, our structures, the team philosophy. So having those extra weeks off between the injury and the bye really did him well. And you mentioned energy is one of your keywords from training. He was one of those players that came in today and brought the energy. Yeah, and I want to talk about another player that I thought brought a lot of energy, and that was Ophahiki Ogden. Yeah, the big man. Robbed of a double. He was done dirty out there. Still got the first try. I thought he was outstanding. He really played the junior bar law replacement role perfectly. Yeah, denied what looked like a, quite a fair try. I, I don't know about you... But I'm sure I saw that ball down on the ground, over the line. Ogden should have had a double tonight. And speaking of another man that was denied a double, Mike Acevo denied two tries over in that left-hand corner to go with the try he was denied last week. So he's on a run of three disallowed tries. Where he should be miles ahead now in the leading try scorer. He should be just about unbackable for the Ken Irvine medal at this point. But uh, the, the Buck has done him a bit dirty in the last two games. Oh, they've done him dirty, all right, because 
the NRL admitted they got it wrong with the disallowed try last week. They apologised to the club for getting it wrong. It should have been a try. There was nothing the club, the, the players could have done different to stop that, uh, to ensure that that try was awarded. Maybe I can accept there may have been a level of interference, a, a, a level of obstruction in one of those tries tonight. The first one, Bailey, I think, was probably guilty, yes. It, it's doubt. I, I mean, I've got my doubts about whether it could have been... He could have stopped the try, the Manly defender, but I will give it to the letter of the law. But, you know, that's a big call, that knock-on call. Well, we just saw a couple of sets before they ruled Ruben Garrick had knocked back on a contest on that same goal line, almost the exact same blade of grass, actually. And I was OK for that decision. But then they tell us that he knocked on in the following play where they say the ball rotates forwards. Like, the ball can rotate forwards and also be going backwards. There's multiple planes in action here. Now, um, the no penalty try at the start of the game... Your I, thoughts on that? I, I think it was the right call. There was a manly defender in the black right there on the ball. So at the very minimum, it would have been a contest for the grounding. Uh, but yeah, it was a silly play from KO Weeks. Uh, very easy Sinbin. And of course, we end up with the Seagulls being a player down for the next two minutes. We get two tries. We, we bank two tries. That's just about as good as it gets in a 10-minute Sinbin period. And we're actually on the roll for a third straight one when the Bryce Cartwright pass to Will Penasini just got behind him. Uh, but the Eels played, like the entire game, handled that period of play professionally, and they banked those two tries and really took control of the proceedings. They're in their fourth. Now, without knocking an opposition player, because I think he's a talent, Ola Kowatao. Now, he's, he was touted as an origin player this year. A lot, there was a big push from the media to get him in the origin team. And you could see why. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's... He's a powerhouse carrying the ball. But I want to ask you a question about his defence. Is Olakowatao's defence up to origin standard? Based, based on what we saw tonight, and it's always hard to, you know, sort of isolate one game because we don't follow Manly uh, religiously by any means. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look good for him. And that's probably the most overlooked aspect when fans, media, hype up a player's origin prospects is it's always about how dominant ball carrier, how dominant ball player they are. Most Origins are won or lost on your ability to save tries more so than your ability to create them. And in, in that sense, Olaquatu's still got a bit of work to do there. And I just think in general, the big man who has an absolute world of potential, uh, he just lost a bit of steam. You know, it's always a, a long run towards Origin from the start of a season. And, you know, Manly's sort of had their plight waver a bit too. And Olaquatu's really been a victim of that. And he hasn't had the same impact consistently that you want to see from an Origin forward. Now, tonight we had... Both teams missing key players. The halfbacks for both teams, 5'8 for the Eels, fullback for Manly. We're, we're talking about key spine outs there. But the forward battle, a lot of Eels missing from the forwards. We still took it to Manly and, and absolutely smashed them tonight. It, it, I mean, I don't want to discredit the backs because they've been so good in this run as well, but the rise and rise of a lot of our fringe prospects during this month of, or month plus of football now with those four straight wins has been a real revelation. Offa Hickey Ogden, Makihesi Makatoa, Matt Dory, Luca Moretti, Andrew Davies coming good now, Bryce Cartwright's in phenomenal touch. All these guys who aren't representative caliber players are playing borderline representative caliber football. 
And when you have a luxury, an absolute you know, glut of riches in the Ford pack establishing that kind of platform, it's no wonder the Eels have not only gone 4-0, but they've gone 4-0 comfortably. Yeah, uh, it's going to be hard to pick a 3-2-1. But I'm really keen, people, everyone, just to get a bit of a, an idea about what your thoughts are for the best players on field. I'm going to run through the names of some Parramatta players. And if you think they should be in consideration for player of the match, I want you to clap. Gutho. Uh, a smattering of applause. Bailey Simonson. Yeah, there we go. we got some vocal fans. Dejan Arce. Over on the side there, yep. yep. Jermaine Hopgood. Ryan Madison. Tough crowd for Matto. Yeah, tough crowd for Matto. Brendan Hands. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and uh, have you got any other that you would add there, John? I've got to give the, the shout-out to the first try scorer, Offa Hickey Ogden. Big man went all right. Yeah, Ogden, Offa Hickey Ogden. Anyone behind him? Good to see. Good to see we've got uh, a fellow... Uh, podcaster in the audience there that's cheering for Rod off a Hickey Ogden. <laughs> Good on you, Fletch. So, John, let's jump into our three two ones right now. Mm -hmm. Who are you giving the three points to? I mean, 34 points to four. Incredible team effort, but this man didn't even have to play the full 80 because he was that good. They got a chance to rest him, bring on a, an interchange player. Jermaine Hopgood, I thought, was outstanding on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think it's pretty hard to argue against Jermaine Hopgood. He gets my three points as well. Yeah, I think there was a sequence of play where prior to scoring that incredible try where he rampaged through the front line and then uh, trampled over the fullback, he actually made a great cover tackle right in front of the post for us, or just to the left of the post, sorry. And it was such a great reward to see him turn that from a try saver into scoring a try minutes later. So really it typified the sort of game that he had. Yeah, just watching as well, the energy that he brings to the team. You've probably got uh, Hopgood and Hands that lead that line speed Defin in defence. Yeah. And that was, that's been really critical over the last few weeks mm -hmm. uh, in getting this run of wins, in getting a bit of momentum into the season, is that, that line speed in defence. Uh, something that, again, I mentioned out of uh, training the other night. OK, so your uh, two points. Oh. I'm, I'm pressing for this one because we, we went for him. Garfo had a good game. Dejan had a good game. Uh, obviously, Hans had a fantastic game. The forwards were all really, really good. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I think, given our, how strongly we won the middle tonight, it has to be someone playing in the middle. That's fair. So, you know, my two and one, I was splitting between... Simonson and Hands, so I'm probably going to go with Brendan Hands for my two points mm -hmm. because I think that winning the middle was so crucial tonight. Another 80 minute performance too from the young dummy half. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what about you for your two points? I, I'll go Bailey if only because he's been the real breakout player in this four game stretch. Moving from right wing to left centre, I, I don't know what changes psychologically, what changes in terms of game plan. He looks like a free player now. He is hitting the ball with speed. He's breaking tackles. He's running into the, like a set defensive line like a man with no fear. 
and he had to play the ball error in this game and got caught on that obstruction. But he was all over the park. He was running down the right at the start of sets. He was you know, going downhill down the left uh, at the end of sets. So, yeah, he's just been tremendous. So I'll go Bailey too. Yeah, I'm, I'm then going to have to go with uh, Bailey Simonson for my one because I think, as you said, he's brought something that the Eels had been missing early in the season, which was getting that yardage through the back five. And I think as he's been bringing it, so too I think Sean Russell stepped up yep. in that regard. Will, Will was always bringing it. It's like Bailey going to left centre was not just the, the missing piece in the jigsaw puzzle, it was like untied the knot for everything in the back line. Everything now makes sense. You know, Sean Russell's back on the right wing with confidence, looking great on both sides of the ball, under the high ball. He's been challenged multiple times now and looks really, really good. Bailey's just leading line speed in attack tremendously. Will is Will. So, you know, it, it, like I said, him moving from right wing to left centre just solves so much. Where do you think a win like tonight has us positioned as far as our where we're aiming to be by the end of the season? If, if you asked me after three rounds in about a potential top four, uh, top four berth, I would have said you're crazy. Eels 0-3, yeah, they were narrow losses, four points apiece in each of them. But the way the ladder's played out, the way this competition has been so locked in on parity, you know, there, any team has beaten any team. We, we just saw the Cowboys knock over Penrith. Yes, they were origin depleted on both sides, but, you know, it was a tough game. We saw Newcastle nearly knock over Penrith. The Eels are legitimately gunning for a top four berth now. They've matched up against the big dogs. Yes, Brisbane got us in Darwin in adverse conditions, but they've beaten Penrith. They've beaten South Sydney handily. They're coming good in a big time, in a big way. So I think no less than top four now. Look, I think that's a, I think that's a fair call. Considering the momentum that we're building right now at this time of year with players that are out, we're getting a few players coming, coming back in. But the way that the next man up has been performing oh, has been absolutely outstanding. And it has been to the detriment of our New South Wales Cup teams uh, or rosters' capabilities. They obviously got, uh, got a, a rough hiding hand again today. But the men that have come up and performed have done brilliantly. And provisionally right now, 60s, there is obviously some games left to play, buys to be calculated. But the Eels sit in fourth with the third best points differential in the competition. So all that hard work early where they were getting beaten but minimising losses, and when they were winning, they were winning well, it's coming to fruition now. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you name your optimum Eels pack and bench right now? Oh, don't, don't do me dirty because Brad Arthur's got a problem in a couple of rounds. Uh, next, Imagine every, every player is available. Ne next week... Brad Arthur has the conundrum of dealing with knock on wood that Mitch and Junior get for Origin unscathed. Ryan Madison will go from 5'8 to back row. Junior Barlow comes back into the front row. Sean Lane's an outside chance of returning. You've got to make three changes. Three changes to a Ford pack that has dominated for five weeks now. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting battle. He's and that's not even considering that Woody Wiramu's you know, available in round 22. So these are the best kind of headaches to have. But, gee, I'm going to feel bad for whoever has to make way, whether it's Makatoa, Dury, Ogden, Moretti, any of those four. They've all been tremendous and all deserve a spot. But in reality, at the end of the day, there's only 17 positions. Ultimately, what we have 
is the tougher times in this early to mid part of the season, at this stage, it looks like it's actually setting Parramatta up yep. to be stronger in the back half of the season because Brad Arthur now would have very little doubt with any of these players that they could do the job if he needed to call them up. Yes, sir. And, and of course, the other, the other point is as well, if you're one of the players that feels that they're an incumbent in the team that should be holding on to a spot. When you've got players playing like this who are calling up to theoretically do a job for a week or two, if they're performing as, as some of these players are right now, that puts players on notice. Yep. That says you have to maintain your standards because there might be there might not be a spot for you no matter how, how good you're performing. Well, think about this. When Sean Lane is back and everyone's healthy, one of Bryce Cartwright and Ryan Madison is going to the bench. And neither of them deserve... I mean, when you think about like the the, uh, the prestige that comes with starting, neither deserve to be a bench player. But we know the reality is that bench players are so incredibly important to any system, but especially Parramatta's. Having someone coming in and doing that job, bringing the tempo is going to be huge. Well, we saw last year that Ryan Madison almost became a specialist bench player, mm -hmm. but he was a specialist bench player playing 60 minutes off yes, the sir. bench. Yep. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a limitation in the minutes that are being played. It just simply means where you're named to start the game. Oh, but in, in light of that, I don't know how you time split Madison, Lane and uh, Cartwright. They're all, in tremendous, or, all tremendous players, and once Lane gets back and gets back to full form, three players in tremendous nick too. So, yeah, like I said, a hell of a brain uh, a headache or a brain problem for Brad Arthur right there. Now, we, we can't let today go without a couple of things. First of all, last week, ladies and gentlemen, we saw the coach, Brad Arthur, move into the position of being the most the longest tenured Parramatta Eels coach in the history of the club. Can we get a round of applause for BA and that achievement? The other thing too for today, and you might see some of these gentlemen floating around up here in Jack's Bar and Grill. I'm sure if you see them and say g'day, they're not going to mind. But we've got some of the very few Parramatta players to have won premierships. They were here today to celebrate 40 years since the 1983 grand final. There's a number of them here in the bar right now. Can we have a round of applause for our Eels premiership winners? I saw you sneak in, Steve Eller and David Lidiart, so I know you're out there. Might have even been Stan Jurd out there too. Just have a sneaky feeling I saw him come in. John, looking forward to uh, looking ahead to next week. Got a trip up to Redcliffe. Up to Redcliffe. What do you think the chances are with the uh, Dolphins? Well, haven't they been one of the breakout stories, one of the fantastic stories of 2023? Wayne Bennett doing such a tremendous job helming them in their inaugural season. <laughs> uh, but in injuries and suspensions have hit them hard. Here we go. We'll get lids taken on all this as well. But, yeah, injuries and suspensions have hit them hard, 60s. Uh, the Eels are coming good at the right time. Road trip's always difficult. 
but I'm confident we can take the uh, take it to them and get the win and make it five in a row going into the bye. How you Ladies doing, Liz? This is a complete surprise, but um, what a great day it's been for us over there. So, yeah, it's really great to be here. It's uh, never scripted when you come on the tip sheet, Lids. It's always a sort of ringing at the last, not even the last second. The show is live. I'm we not even famous, though. Like, you've got some absolute legends out on the balcony there that... Uh, I think you're selling yourself all. a little bit oh, short mate, here. I was, very, I was very lucky to be a part of this great club, and um, it was really great to get a ring today, and very special... You know, it's, I think the boys um, showed that 81, 82, 83, 86. Something that we, 60s and I always see whenever there is an event, whether it's the Blue and Gold Alliance or something the club's put on, the camaraderie in that 80s team is, it is genuinely special. Like the, the synergy, the relationships, the, the brotherhood, you really can't describe it, can't you? Well, we've been mates for 40 years and, um, you yeah, know, we've been talking that... Uh, you know, it's close now. Blokes are starting to get old, you know. Like, um, we've got a few old blokes in the side and uh, you never know where it's going to go. I don't, I don't even want to go down that road. But um, we've been very lucky to stick together as a great group. We catch up every year for a reunion and um, they're the best bunch of blokes you could ever and meet. That, that's why it's not just about celebrating the achievement, but coming together for you boys is special for keeping that, you know, that connection going as long as possible, isn't it? Well, it was, it was amazing. We, we obviously couldn't get one bloke there. Jeff Budden couldn't make it. He was the only one. So every, every bloke that played in those grand finals and was part of it, the coaches, the, you know, obviously we've lost jo Jack Gibson and um, Ron Massey. But, uh, yeah, everyone turned up and the rings are amazing. I, my wife's got it. I let you all have a... Have a aware of it if I, I've lost it three times today so it's been taken off me. Now 60s just whispered to me but a couple of players came to mind after he said it. You got Jermaine Hopgood, you got Bryce Cartwright, Mike Acevo, uh, who else is there? 60s? Who am I missing? Brendan Hans. Brendan Hans, that's right. You've got a connection to this team in a way. You're almost a prototypical player for the modern eel. You're a Penrith junior that came good as a Parramatta eel. Well that's a, I won't bore people to death with it but I got I played park footy at a place called Collington out near St Mary's, Penrith. I was a Penrith junior. I trialled for Panthers from Jersey Flag right through to, you know, I, I got a call up from um, Jack Gibson and Dennis Fitzgerald to come to Cumberland Oval in 1981. I was 19 years old and, um, uh, you know, I turned up and walked into a dressing room full of superstars and, um, I, you know, like I said, I was 19 years old and that next day Penrith rang and said we want you on the bench for first grade up here and um, I went to Dennis and Dennis made a call and said get stuffed he's not he's um he's already signed with us so yeah <laughs> and as they say the rest is history Lids not only were you a damn fine player you've been one of the best ambassadors for the game post playing career and it's always a pleasure to have you on the tip sheet obviously but as the Parramatta Eel forever thank you so much I mate. appreciate it thank you very much ladies Cheers. and gentlemen David Lydiard Thanks, Liz. You're a legend. Alrighty. Well, that was an unexpected <laughs> guest, as, as David has been in the past. But I'm sure you all appreciate the fact that David made his way up to the microphone to have a bit of a chat with us. So we're, we're very appreciative of that. John, any words to wrap up tonight? 
I, I said when we came into the 60s, despite being no Mitch, no Junior, no Sean Lane, I felt pretty good about it. And the Eels absolutely vindicated those feelings, that belief. They are building magnificently now, heading up to that road trip to Redcliffe, heading into that, well, I say ori origin buy. It's not really an origin buy, is it? Into no. that second buy. Uh, they, they've really come good at the right time of the year, timed their run brilliantly. And yes, it would have been nice to have banked a few more wins, but yeah, the, this team is starting to look real scary. Yes, despite the fact that we're going through this origin period as the only team in the NRL that, do, that has to play every one of those pre-origin matches without their origin players, every other club gets a buy. Some get one, two. At least one buy. Some get two. We don't get it. We, don't, we have to play every match. Just a quirk of the draw, 60. Just a quirk of the draw. I'm not letting go of that. I just don't understand how that happens. <laughs> just like you play three teams coming off of buys to start the season. Yeah. But I think, again, it makes us stronger. Yep. And I think that's probably what we have to do is we have to look at the positive of it. Anything that's been thrown up as a roadblock this year will just make us stronger as we march into the finals for the fifth season in a row. So, ladies and gentlemen... Thank you for coming here tonight. We're the Cumberland Throw. We're here every after every home game. Occasionally, we're here before the game. Keep your eye on Parramatta League's club socials for when we are appearing. Follow the Cumberland Throw for all the latest news about the Eels. And go, you Eels!